1: Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome back to the REI Network podcast with me, Gavin Timms. Uh, I have a special guest today. He's a good friend of mine. We're in Masterminds together. Um, He's just an all-round good dude, uh, a wealth of knowledge, has tons of businesses, uh, all of them successful, and we are going to learn a ton of information, gold nuggets from him today. So let me bring him over. It is Mr. Eric Hatch. Eric, how are you, bud?
0: Gavin, listening to you is like the most delightful thing my ears have ever experienced. You get this really unbelievable European accent. I'm from Fargo, North Dakota. And so I sound like I'm from Fargo, North Dakota. And so people are going to have to deal with like a sweet, sweet sound and a salty, salty sound all at the same time. Congrats congrats to the listeners for the perfect salty sweet (laughs) mix.
1: That's awesome. Eric, look, I appreciate you coming on. We've been friends now for a few years. We're Like I said, we're in masterminds together. Mm-hmm. And I always joke, and, and you can go back and listen to my episodes. I don't say this to everybody. But you are one of my favorite people because you're super genuine. You're a good laugh, obviously. You, you're good fun. We have a good time. And, you know, I thought it was that you're a perfect person to get on for a number of reasons, really. And we're going to touch on some of them today. But just bring us back, Eric, my audience might not be familiar, obviously, with you. So give us a bit of backstory on Eric Hatch. Like how have you got into, you know, real estate? Kind of take us back and and let's bring us to to where we are today.
0: Yeah, we're going to go lightning round here, Gavin. So I've been a full-time Realtor uh, for 10 years, got licensed in 2006, but did a part-time Well, I was in a full-time ministry job. I was a youth minister and a worship leader. And so I did that side-by-side for about five years. And then finally, I made the switch in full-time to real estate in 2011. I found some really quick success because I had four or five years of ramp-up. But in addition to that, in, in residential real estate... Uh, And in real estate sales, it's really about who you know. And I've lived in Fargo my entire life. And I had uh, invested in a large amount of people's lives. Not that I was the most visible person, although I do live a a big life with a big voice. And I'm not a guy that blends into a crowd very easily. I was always intentional on trying to shine a light on other people. And and always trying to pour into other folks as as a, a foundation of who I am and the way in which I like to take care of people. And that bred me so much success. For capturing mind share. In fact, I think Gavin, mind share leads to market share, especially in a sales job and in a, a job where relationships are at the core and the foundation. So yeah. we took all that. 2011, I sold 52 homes. And then from there, I started a team because realistically, this has been a leadership journey for me. Like, I kind of like houses, but it wasn't until three years ago that somebody told me that sheetrock and drywall were the same thing. Like, <laughs> I had no clue, dude. Like, I, I, I didn't grow up with a dad. And if you ask me, yep. hey, man, uh, can you get your toolbox? I'm like, I only got my checkbook in my toolbox. That's all I have. Like, I, I can't That's do it. Not me. Like, I, I, I am not a guy that understands a lot about houses, but I wanted to understand a lot about people. And so that is crescendoed every year. And my business has grown every year to the tune that now in Fargo, North Dakota, we're going to sell over a thousand homes this year uh, with That's our incredible. real estate team. We're one of the top 40 real estate teams in the country. In 10 days from recording this, I'll be opening up our sixth market, and that's in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Real estate and my residential real estate game that we're talking about now, I, I spend an hour, or excuse me, I spend a day and a half a week in and so I'm at the point where the business pretty much runs without me. Um, it's a business where we're a $7.5 million business or so. Um, my team is 57 people, 52 of those full-time. I'm not a full-timer, now, I'm a day and a half a week, and I get to reap the benefits of really being diligent with leadership, but understanding where the opportunities are, and I would jump on them quickly. So that's, that's I think, what I'm known for in Fargo is my real estate business and my ministerial background. I'm starting to get, I think, known for or recognized nationally as becoming uh, hopefully an influential teacher, leader, and coach uh, in this industry. Because so many people can sell houses and then they say, well, what's next? And everybody, Gavin, wants to do two things. They want to work less and make more. The American dream. Is that the the British dream too? Is that the same thing?
1: No, that's the American dream. (laughs) That's why I use it. I came here to live the American dream. Okay.
0: And, and and so I think I think most people, at least in the U.S., wants that they they want to make more and work less. And mm-hmm. so now I get to teach people how to have unbelievable lives uh, by empowering other people, not delegating, but empowering by lifting up by providing opportunity in which to yeah. do so. Because I think that the instructors that have come before me have done a fine job in teaching people how to build really wide organizations. And for me. Wide is the wrong move. I want to build a deep organization, creating problems that most people don't deal with uh, because I'm now getting pushed instead of having to pull people. And I'm inspired by the folks that are in my ecosystem and they force me to get better every day instead of me trying to force them to figure out how to sell just a couple of houses. And so I'm coaching people on this throughout the country. I'm writing my second book. My first book is called Play For The Person Next To You. It's a book about servant leadership. And that has been uh, out for a couple of years now. But in quarter one, 2022, I'm hoping that my blueprint book launches called The Perfect Real Estate Agent Blueprint. And it is, yes, specific for the real estate industry. But the core fundamentals will br- uh, bleed over into every ecosystem, including your listeners.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we we have obviously, you know, most of our listeners on the real estate side, on the investing side, sorry, mm-hmm. but we have a lot of agents. And I think we have two types of agents. Hopefully the listeners don't take this the wrong way, but we have the ones that can't do real estate as agents so they're trying to mm-hmm. do the investing mm-hmm. side. Or they're trying to obviously do more deals by getting on the investing side. Or sometimes the investors are going, hold on, we're doing all these deals, we're creating all these leads from the marketing efforts that we teach. Why don't we get licensed and actually have our own brokerage and leverage that extra money because we're already doing the work? So I think we have a you know a good mixture. I think what's super cool though is, and again, we've got to hang out now for for several years and I think one of my biggest takeaways from being in a mastermind with you is the leadership thing, right? That you, Paul, you said something, I use a few of your terms, actually, but it was the Navy SEALs, right? Yeah. You want Navy SEALs. You want six Navy SEALs rather than what's the actual, right? Yeah, you I know, saying. what
0: I'll say is, man, if you if you are going to battle, uh, you can choose one or the other. You can choose six Navy SEALs or 100 Army Reservists. And please, I have a great amount of respect for everybody in the reserves. I, I yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm going to bet on six specialists, six people who have not just gotten good at their craft, but they are the best of the best of the best. Like For me, there's another adage, and that is uh, if you have a stable, and you have a stable filled with racehorses, and you put in two donkeys into that stable, well, you're going to have the fastest donkeys you've ever seen. Yeah. Inversely, if you have a stable full of donkeys and you put a couple of racehorses in there, those are th- those two racehorses look like asses pretty quick.
1: Yeah. And, no, and,
0: sure. and, and 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 so your culture that you have and the energy that people bring matters. There's there's the Bannister effect, right? Uh, yep. the, uh the 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 Bannister effect was the guy to break four minutes in a mile for the first time ever. Nobody had ever done it. Nobody thought it was possible. And then Bannister years ago goes and finally breaks. The four minute mile, and now fast forward to a couple dozen years later, and like everybody except for you and me can run a four minute mile now. You know, it's like uh, because because you have to break through these glass ceilings, and who you have around matters. In fact, I go back to when I was building my real estate team uh, originally, and I I built it uh, in 2011 and or really in 2012 and 13. I got kicked out of where I was at. I was such a mess and such a dumpster fire because I had a bunch of people who were picking up my table scraps. And they were uh, they were my rockets to me being the lead dancer. And I, I was like, my job as a leader is I'm going to make a ton of money and hopefully everybody else around me makes money. Right. Yep. Hope is a great thing to have, Gavin, but a terrible business strategy. Yeah. And. So I have all these people picking up uh scraps and then I get kicked out. Two people come with me, right? An admin and a salesperson. My team went from 13 to three overnight. And I was like, oh, I'm the I'm the mess because I'm the bad leader. Yeah. So we go and um I start over. And I have one agent with me, his name's Jamie. And Jamie's like a middle of the road producer. The average realtor in the United States sells eight homes a year. Somebody on a real estate team will sell more. And Jamie was selling about 24 a year. For me, that was like, okay, that's that's like boring, middle of the road. Like that's not anything to write home about. Then we hired a guy named Brandon and Brandon was our banister. He changed everything. And, and in Brandon's first year, he sold 49 houses. Wow. And he changed the perspective. My, my first year I sold 52. So I, mean, I don't mean to one up him, but whatever.
1: <laughs> you just keep uh, him in his place.
0: That's right. That's right. Uh, I was able to have a Brandon or a banister in my world that actually showed the Jamie's what's possible. The next year, Jamie sold 40 houses. 24 before Brandon came along, then did like 30 the year that Brandon did 50 or 49, excuse me. But then all of a sudden, Jamie saw, I could do a lot more. And you see, a lot of us are looking into our ecosystems right now, and we just keep on trying to add more mediocrity. And we think we're going to build the Taj Mahal with a bunch of mediocre players and with a bunch of uh, non-Navy SEALs. And I think it is one of the biggest leadership mistakes that any of us are making is that we're trying to add more average and more average is not equal exceptional.
1: Yeah, no, you're 100 percent right. And I can only speak for myself, right? I'm. I'm big on you're only as good as your team. My model works, uh, especially on my real estate side, that I am literally only as good as my team, right? So How good my team is means how good I am versus on my coaching side, the coaching is me. So I can perform because I'm the one controlling it, right? Where my real estate is, is done without me. And I think so one of the problems that I have sometimes, and you can say it's lazy, which is fine, is I hire way too quick, Right. Oh, and again, so I'm going yeah. to take you again to another conversation that we've had where you've literally said that you will hire people over three months. Like you will start off yeah. in the room of 50 mm-hmm. and you will wean down and you'll take them through the ch- trenches to even get that one position where there's two people left standing in a six, eight, nine, ten, twelve 10, 12 week. Program And I'm just thinking, wow, like that is how you take people that are going to make it on commission only when there's no checks. And sometimes my fault, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's give them a go. And the problem is, is that we burn through so much time giving people chances that don't, that shouldn't be in that seat. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's just me just being completely honest. It's my personality. I'm more of a just a go, go, go make decisions. Let's make it happen. And that's definitely something that that I'm trying to work on. So talk about that. Talk about as an example, that hiring process that you literally go through to, to get mm-hmm. these Navy SEALs in these positions.
0: Can I call it a process instead of a process? I want to make sure that I... Yeah, that's I, I mean, fine. By t- rules. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very close to Canada, and that's a process type of place, too. So, uh, man, I freaking love you. I love, uh, I love razzing you. Um, okay, so, so this hiring process is so important. Let's put it this way. Gavin, you and I are fortunately married to women who are prettier and smarter and more awesome than us, like... I've yeah. seen your hairline, I've seen my hairline, I've seen your waistline, I've seen my waistline. <laughs> Thank goodness women are not as shallow as us. But as we go, imagine we go on a date, right? Uh-huh. We're, we're single, yeah. God forbid, we're single. We go on a date with somebody and we talk with them for 30 minutes about surface level stuff. Yeah. And then as you're at Applebee's, about to dive into your uh, half-off mozzarella sticks because you went after 9 p.m. and you wanted to save some money, you say over the marinara dip, hey, would you marry me after 30 minutes? Yeah. You see how stupid that sounds, Oh, absolutely.
1: A hundred percent.
0: And yet, what are we – I spend more time with my coworkers than I do my wife sometimes, right? Yeah. I'm 40 hours a week with the people that are side-by-side side with me. I'm trusting them with – everything with my name, my reputation, my business, my energy, and holy cow, hiring somebody after 30 minutes is like proposing marriage and getting married after 30 minutes at Applebee's. It is not the way to do so. So we yep. follow a nine-step process. This is one of my favorite things that we do, and uh, I don't mean to promo, but I'm at least going to promo all this stuff is at HatchCoaching.com. We have lots of stuff for free, a few things for sale, but we give away almost everything for free. And if you want to follow along, some of this stuff at HatchCoaching.com—that's where you'll find it. So yep. Step step number one is you place the ad. Nothing difficult about that. We use a company called Wise Hire. W-I-Z-E-H-I-R-E. Yeah. And they sit—they ser- serve as like a CRM. And they will blast out to Indeed and LinkedIn and Craigslist and all these places where you're yeah. going to gather resumes. We See use the that? same.
1: Yeah, it's like yeah. two hundred bucks a month. Right? Super. You can turn yeah. it off when you're not using it. Yeah,
0: it's it's super inexpensive and really well worth it. Once you're in Wise Hire, you keep it on for a couple of months. It gives you and collects all the information on people. So step number one is you place a great ad. Step number two is you now review the ads and you creep on the people. Okay. Now resumes are bull crap but they also are a way for you to decipher out the crap, okay? Yeah. A resume is bullcrap because somebody can lie on there or they can, they, they can falsify information, but it's also bullcrap for that reason, but it can be full of crap because now... People are saying, uh, you know, I'm not even gonna take this seriously. I'm gonna just take whatever indeed says and I'm gonna put in four lines of information. Like, I'm not interested in somebody who's not super interested in this job. In fact, Gavin, there's three ways that people will come to you, three ways and three ways only. Number one is by is by reputation. They know who you are, they've been maybe referred to, and they're like, I think you would love working with Gavin, or they've seen. Your business, they're like, that's what I'm drawn to. Yep. Number two is relationship. This person knows you. They want to be in your energy and in your world. Those two really great hires. Number three is real estate. Somebody says, I really want to get involved into real estate. Now, there's other people who are just looking for a job. Don't even consider those people. Yeah. Somebody who is just looking for a job is not drawn to the weird way in which I work, and they're looking for the most money with the least amount of work, and that's not who I want in my world. Yeah. If somebody comes looking for real estate, I'd even put an asterisk on that and caution it saying, this is not HGTV, y'all. This is not what you're <laughs> – ex- I, I say y'all like I'm not from Fargo. That's established, yeah. fully clear. I'm from Fargo, okay? Uh <laughs> But I will, t- I will tell you, Gavin, that if somebody comes saying, I want a real estate life out of this, that's not going to be great either because it's a lot harder, a lot more exhausting than what people believe it to be. And getting your rhythm takes some serious grinding. So that's how people are going to come to you. And I'd stay away from anybody who's just looking for a job. So you see all that in step number two in the in the reviewing of the applicant's. Step number three, and this is a must do, I believe, is a career night, not a virtual career night, but an in-person career night. If you don't have an office, rent a room at a coffee shop, find a restaurant, go to a hotel and rent a conference room for a couple of hours. Because what you're doing now is you're looking to decipher between who are the people that are willing to go the extra step versus the people who are looking for a job. Yep. Those that are looking for a job or at least looking to make it look like they're looking for a job. We're in a weird time right now, Gavin, where a bunch of people are unemployed and gaming the system. And so they're applying because they have to, but not because they want to.
1: Want to, yeah.
0: And you need to to decipher very early on of who are the hand raisers and who are the warm mouth breathing weirdos, right? That you want to keep them out of there. Because the moment you do a career night, somebody will show up and you're going to know before you even talk to them if you want to work with that person. Yeah, it's our nonverbals and how we carry ourselves from the clothes we wear to the energy we bring to the facial expressions we make, they tell more than our words on a resume ever will. And so you can take 50 applicants, and let's say you invite everybody to career night. 15 of them will respond and say yes, and 10 will show up. You've immediately gone from 50 applicants down to 10 by just doing this. And then of those 10, you're going to be like, there's only three of them that don't seem like serial killers, right? Like, there's, there's three of them that I'm going to actually want to talk to after this. Okay. Yeah. Now in in our career night, mine takes an hour and a half because I'm a chatty Kathy, but most people do it in probably 60 minutes. My job is not to try to woo them and say like, Hey, real estate's really awesome. And you're going to love it. And you're going to make so much money. Instead of I, I say, you're probably not going to want to do this job. This interview process is exhausting. And, and most of you are going to get fed up with it because it takes a long time. But I'm not interested in people who don't want to really, really work here. And then number two, real estate is hard as hell. You're gonna hate the people you work with. Sometimes you're gonna hate the hours that you work. You're gonna deal with massive hair loss and weight gain and all these other things. That I like I had a flowing mane before all this, Gavin. You know what I mean? Like guys yeah. like you and I had gorgeous curly <laughs> locks until real estate came around. You know. Yep. And so I'm trying to scare these people away yep. because the people I want to continue with this person, We're only in step number three, Gavin. Three of nine. I'm yeah. going to move faster here because I know we're limited on
1: this. People don't no, no, this to. is good because this is to my point. Uh, when yeah. you told me we went through these steps, like I've already hired by now. I've not even got them down <laughs> into a room. I mean, like if you seem again, obviously we interview over, over Zoom, but if you seem like a good person, yeah. like, we'll, we'll go. But anyway, carry on. Yeah.
0: And, and you can find good hires like that, but you yeah. don't know enough about them for you to be a good leader. So you can find good hires in a fast sort of way. You can get married through Tinder, right? You can can find these ways to connect with people, but I'm going to take my time because it's that big of a deal to me. And this is always and forever about me improving myself as a leader. And so I have to take the time. So we go through this. Step number four is we send essay questions. We give them like five days to answer the essay questions. Of the 10 people that showed up, five of them will answer the essay questions, right? and two of the three people that i liked like to actually answer. So really, I'm down to two candidates at this point. And I've only given them maybe an hour of my time in person and then reviewing some essays for like 45 minutes, okay? So I'm less than two hours in, and I'm down to two candidates. So even though we think hiring quickly makes sense, this is a process or process that's going to move much smoother, okay? Step number five is a 30-minute Zoom in-person or phone interview. You choose. But this is not asking traditional hiring questions like, Gavin, tell me a time in which you were managed exceedingly well. And what are your top three strengths? Instead, we're diving in. And my goal in any interview is to get to the layers behind the top. I don't want the outer layers of the onion. I want that inner core. And I want to figure out what is that person made of that they don't give everybody else. I want to know how they fight or how they flight. I want to know, are they a negative person or a positive person? I want to figure out when life has chewed them up and spit on them and how they reacted. Okay, so the questions I'm first asking are really like, why do you want to work here? Are you running from something? Are you running towards something? That's a very good indicator of how that person's going to fare in your job. What do you love to do in your life? Uh, What's really important to you in your life? Uh, What are you right? So you're asking questions just to see, like, do I vibe with this person? Is this person going to fit into our culture? Because, Gavin, you can have 100 gallons of crystal clear, pure, spring-fed drinking water, and you put one turd in there and you just have shitty water. Yeah. And nobody wants to drink it. You need to protect your team and your culture and your environment with a fortress. Yeah. And so these interviews are so imperative. So you're going to interview the two people that have gone to this point now, and maybe you still like them both. So you move to step number six. And this is the most important step, Gavin. And it's reference checks, okay? You're going to ask for three references, three references that you're going to ask 15 to 20 minutes worth of questions on. But guess what, Gavin? If I'm interviewing you, the reference you give me is your best friend from college and your cousin and your former coworker who um, is going to claim to be your old boss. Yeah. Because I, I would do the same. I'd find. Yeah. Who, who Rule number one. Yeah. Who loves me the most that I can put on my reference check? <laughs> yeah, who's never going
1: to say a bad word?
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 100%. Now, what we do is we, we do those three references, but then we ask those three references each for a reference. Hey, who else knows Gavin that we can talk to? And so now we ask these next three the same questions. We're starting to figure out a little more about if Gavin is full of it or not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Then we ask those three people each for for three more. And so when we do it right, and we don't always do it right, because sometimes you just hit a brick wall or the person is fresh out of college and they don't have a huge past experience or uh, maybe they've never had a job where somebody actually has a cell phone. I mean, all these things are there, but our goal is to do nine reference checks. And this does not eliminate people if somebody says ill about them, but our goal is we want to find the truth behind the outer layer. And most people are giving us like think of think of the honeymoon stage. Remember the first six months you were married. Like you pooped with the door closed, and you uh, <laughs> you wouldn't fart around your wife, and everything was like, oh, I better shower before I go to bed, like all these things. And now it's like all the rules are gone. And that's what a honeymoon stage is: is you put on yeah, your best. Yeah. And that's yep. exactly what people are doing in these interviews: is they're putting on their best. And you've got to get past that layer. Uh-huh. I didn't expect to make a poop with the door open comment, but we got there.
1: Okay. Uh, we did
0: step number seven is a three-hour interview gavin this three-hour interview is two-part you should never interview somebody alone in this kind of ecosystem if you are a solopreneur and you are on your own bring in your best friend bring in uh bring in your spouse bring in somebody that will gauge this with you because you need somebody else to have a sounding board and the first half is the life story you are asking this person gavin from the time of birth until now, I want to know your high highs and your low lows. And I'm going to ask you a ton of questions as you go. And so uh, I mean, my goal is just to figure out more about you. And I want you to get off the script. That's super important because most people, if you ask me, Eric, tell me uh, where you were born and raised. I have a script for that yeah. because I've answered that a number of times. I want to, Gavin. Yeah, if I say, tell me where you're born and raised. And you're like, well, I was born in London, right? Like, uh, okay, awesome. What was that like? Well, it was fine. It was great. Well, tell me about who you were really close to as a kid. Oh man, I haven't talked about Johnny for a long time. Right. So now I'm gonna figure out the layers of that relationship and I'm gonna find out when you were homecoming king, and I'm gonna find out when you got dumped on prom. Right. I'm gonna find the high highs and the low lows because I want to see how you react. I wanna see if you're coming in with a ton of baggage, and I want to see, and here's the core fundamental: is I wanna see if you're a victim because As much as I love Jesus and as much as I love ministry, my workplace need not be a place just to heal people. I will heal the people that are here, and I will choose the baggage when they come in. But sometimes they're so broken that it will only breed complication for everybody else. Right. And we've made those hires before, haven't we, Gavin, where somebody comes in and they are a thermostat in the room and they suck the energy and the warmth out of it because they're in chaos right now. And I will support somebody's skills all day long, but I will hire on culture and train on skill all day, every day. Yep. The second half of the seven-hour interview is finally, uh, the second half of the three-hour interview in step yep. number seven is finally when we're going to ask typical interview questions. Gavin, what does great leadership look like? My favorite interview question to ask is this. Gavin, what does this place need to be so it's the last place you ever choose to work? And what you're doing is you're, you're future casting. And you're saying to that person, like, I want to do something big with you. Who do I need to be in order to keep you around? Yeah. And, and most of the time you have robots saying, like, who do they're, they're, they're saying, who do I need to be in order to fit in the sequence? No, I want to know who do I need to be as the owner, as the leader, so that they feel so unbelievably happy. Because my job is to build them a runway. I don't need them to build me a runway. I don't need them to pick up my table scraps. I work for them. They don't work for me. Step number eight. Thank you. Thank you. Step number eight is we go offsite, we go to happy hour or coffee uh, or lunch, whatever it may be, and we bring their spouse and we bring the coworkers that they're going to work with. And we just get to know each other, but we scare the hell out of that spouse because I promise you, the person that interviewed has not told their spouse, hey, this is a lifestyle I'm getting into. And it's going to be super emotional. And it's a lot of nights and weekends and early mornings and interrupting phone calls when we're out to dinner and everything else. (laughs) Are you prepared for this? And if that all goes well, step nine is you the offer them the job. So Gavin, yeah. to your aforementioned points, you can have Navy SEALs or you can have a bunch of people in the Army Reserves. And everything I just talked about doesn't hire Navy SEALs. But no. it, creates, it creates the ecosystem to say, <clears throat> we demand greatness from moment one. And the only people that can work here are the exceptional. And then we have an ecosystem that will train and develop them to be their best selves
1: absolutely but with you having them six people you then have then under them leaders right that have leaders under them and it's a knock-on effect because and the reason that i went down this route is that people are going to be saying well hold on how do you have 47 people working for you how are you moving a thousand homes which is ridiculous a thousand homes a year how are you doing this and i believe the question why i ask you that is it becomes down to the recruitment side The leadership side that allows you to actually build a business of that size. Now, people that know me, and I've told you this, like when we get together, like I couldn't think of anything worse doing a thousand homes a year, because I know what needs to go in from a business size, from having that many employees. And I don't have that vision.
0: Gavin, remember, I work work 12 hours a week in this business, but I also spend $230,000 a month to get this business running. Yeah, so which is that, that's which what you're talking about. Is like that's what I'm uh, you, talking you, you about. You can puke in your mouth just a little bit. Be like, Holy it has, cow.
1: OK, yeah. That, and it's a real business. Right. Not that And people have said to me, mine's not a real business. Right. Oh, because I'm more of a, a lifestyle. Right. And I do good numbers. I have good profit margins. Right. And I know my profit margins, I would would will be bigger than yours but your volume obviously outdoes it. So you gave it back, I would think. So, um, and, and it just depends on what people want. But if if people listening that want the empire, right, if they want the empire and they want to be spending two, 300,000 a month on marketing and overhead to build this thing, they need to know what's, what, how to actually do it, right? Because they're not going to come to me. I'm not going to teach someone to go and get 40 people in an office. I'm just not gonna do it. It's just because yeah. I don't have that vision. Does that make sense? Not that I don't. I wouldn't back myself on doing it. It's just not what I wanna do. But there is people out there that want that. And I think you just demonstrating them nine steps, for me, that's the way you're gonna do it because you have to have that level of leadership. When you're pour, pour, pouring into business of that much money to create these deals, you can't have donkeys in the place because mm-hmm. all of a sudden but, yeah, you're going to be upside he, down.
0: Here's the crazy thing is you and I had a conversation uh, off camera, off the podcast. And I'm like, dude, how are things going? Like, oh, man, hiring people and working with them is, is hard, right? Like it, was, yeah. it was the core of what you said are your pains. Everybody's pains are people pains
1: hundred percent.
0: Right. And and if you have profit pains because you're not the right person yet, you haven't yet developed the skills or the numbers or, or, or the savvy to get there. But you either have people pains of yourself or the people pains of the folks you don't have or do have in your ecosystem. But all our pains are people pains. Yeah. And so if you want the big ecosystem like I have or the small ecosystem that Gavin has, there's different strokes for different folks. But either way. The who matters the most. And if you need leverage in any sort of way, not hiring out of mediocrity is the greatest thing that you can do. And instead, hire out of saying this is the most important person like my spouse that I'm going to bring to my side and I'm going to treat it with that level of respect.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's great. That's good. So. Really, really good. I know uh, we're coming up to time here. So we've just touched on one one part of, of kind of what you do in, in depth. But I think, again, what we've kind of pulled out is, is important because when people see this and go a thousand homes, you, their mind goes to places that that's what they want. And I'm here to identify, is this what you want or is it what you want Mm -hmm. and if you want it this is how you need to do it because i don't think there's anyone i don't think there's any other way than than doing it the way that that you're doing it right um and then you've branched off obviously now you have you know um hatch coaching Mm -hmm. which is more on the business side you know we just we had a we've had conversations before when you say i'm not i'm not here to teach people how to move a house right it's to build an empire so you have that going on and I'm really excited. I want you to talk about it here a little bit about the new book that you've coming out, the Real Estate Blueprint book, because from what I've heard about it and what you've spoke about it, it could be a game changer for people. Yeah, we
0: hope so. And and Gavin, I know that uh, you have a lot of investors here. I've been an an investor for nine years now. Uh, I have uh, 60 doors and uh, probably six or seven million in uh, uh, just real estate that I own, not counting my own personal stuff. And then I'm doing the Airbnb model as well. That's a whole nother conversation for another day, but 25% of my rentals are now Airbnb and I'm making two to 3x on those, what I would make with traditional rentals. So like, I'm so excited about your world and to learn more about this too, because it just gets my, my weak in the knees shaken, happening yeah. below my desk. So the book I'm writing uh, right now with my partner, Robbie Trefethrin is called The Perfect Real Estate Agent Blueprints. And the core fundamental of it is that so many models are teaching people to go wide and to add a bunch of people uh, to their ecosystems in order to get what they want. And here's the greatest demonstration I can give of it is, Gavin, let's say you were an unbelievable realtor or you're an unbelievable flipper, wholesaler, whatever it may be. And so you and your wholesaling business—you decide. I have five quality at bats, and these five quality at bats, you can crush all of them. Each one's worth ten thousand bucks. Now, in residential real estate, what happens is you hire an agent usually, and you hire that agent, and you expect that agent to take a portion of the commission. Let's say they get half, or a third, whatever it may be. They get, uh, let's say, half the commission. So, if each one's worth ten grand, you think, man, I'm going to make twenty-five grand they're going to make 25 grand we're going to have this unbelievable world where everybody's making a ton more money how great is this love real estate and then i'm going to hire 20 agents and each of them is going to make me 25 grand and now look at all this money that i have this is this is this is the bee's knees well yeah what happens is gavin the person that you've hired to convert these deals you hired too quickly and then you didn't train them exceedingly well and then they're surrounded by a bunch of other donkeys And so they don't close five out of five like you could. They don't close four out of five or three out of five. They close two out of five. And so you made $10,000 gross, where you could have made 50 if you did it yourself. They make $10,000 gross, but they didn't get paid for six months. The failure rate in real estate in your first two years is 86%. Because it's harder than you think, because it's a relationship game, and because people are jumping in with a mediocre education, trying to do big things in the world. And it is disrespectful to our industry and our clients and our community deserves better. And so what I propose is this, and this is the fundamental move in our book, is that we, instead of going wide and adding a bunch of realtors, you go deep. Yep. Meaning, Gavin, if you're that realtor that can, that can close five out of five, or you're that wholesaler that can close five out of five... You don't rush to get out of production, and you don't bring somebody else to sit at the same table that you do, and instead, you subscribe to the philosophy that everything is earned and nothing is given. And so what this means is that the person that you hire does not come equally alongside you. They come under you as an apprentice, as somebody getting their MBA, and this is somebody who is salaried, not commission-based which forces you as that leader to start thinking more like a businessman or businesswoman. And it forces you to have your numbers buttoned up and to stop riding the roller coaster of commission that we all ride. And so what you do know is you bring in somebody and they are the nurse to you being a doctor. They are that instant leverage so that they're hand holding the clients, they're showing the majority of the homes, they're going on the inspections, they're doing all that busy work, and I can spend my time in my highest dollar income producing activities. And yep. that's converting deals and negotiating deals. I am a surgeon and I need to have more nurses with me. Yep. Now, this nurse can graduate to a nurse practitioner and that can graduate to a doctor, but everything is earned and nothing is given. And we need to stop giving $10,000 opportunities to somebody who's newly hired, poorly hired and poorly trained. Yep. And so that is the core fundamental of this. We have 10 tiers of people's businesses that they're going to go through and at each Place we are giving you a blueprint, a literal blueprint of who you need to be in order to get to the next spot. And you, most people, Gavin, most people shouldn't grow a big business. Most people shouldn't do what I'm doing. Most people should do what you're doing, Gavin. And that is finding something small, finding a niche and crushing it and maximizing your profit margin. Because your profit margin crazy. My profit margin is slim, but I'm just, I'm getting 10% of a watermelon instead of, you know, 80% of a grape. Uh, and, and so I'm pretty okay with that. Um, and I'm getting more than 10%, but I just use that facetiously. Yeah. yeah. Like the opportunity is so grand for you to go deep instead of wide. And that's what we're doing with the perfect real estate agent blueprint.
1: Yeah. And what's crazy is you explain that though. You can, as an investors watching, it's the same thing as us as a business owner being in the acquisition role, right? Doing the five Mm -hmm. out of five, bringing in a junior acquisition underneath, to take some of the legwork of the pre-screening, right? Running Mm -hmm. in lockboxes, getting pictures. So I can focus on a high level of closing and then build them up to come a lateral move and then someone under them and so on, you know, to be able to to, to build that. And as you said, earn the right Mm -hmm. to be having the better quality of lead, maybe the direct mail lead versus the text lead or a PPC lead as we would do. So no, that's really, really, really good. Well, Eric, I appreciate you I thank you for coming on. Is there anything else you want to share? Obviously guys check out the book make sure you like and subscribe if you're listening on on the podcast or you're watching us on YouTube make sure you drop a comment, like and subscribe. I will personally answer any any questions if you have anything for Eric, I'll make sure he sees it but before we get done, Eric, anything else that you want to kind of share
0: again, I know we're gathering together in like a month to go golfing and I'm claiming you as my partner i'm I'm claiming dibs i just want to make sure everybody has heard that on this podcast i I claim dibs together me and
1: you me and you we're taking it on awesome but i appreciate it again have a good one thank you for joining us and i will look forward to seeing you in phoenix uh a few go few uh, days ago all right bud thank you that's my joy bye-bye